0: Saga, written by Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples, published by Image Comics. The, the coming out of the birth of that image revival back in 2012, can you believe it? Ten years. And that only 54 issues. Well, you know, granted. <laughs> uh, this month, Wait, has it really been I, ten years? Yeah, yeah. In, in March of 2020, of March of 2012. Wow. Uh, so, pretty much. And it's been... <sighs> five years since it was last published because it came out in uh, or it stopped publication in twenty eighteen.
1: That's wild. Twenty seventeen. Right?
0: No no sorry. Uh,
1: four <laughs> years. We're we're not we're five. we're giving the task of coming up with math for years to the guy who thought it was still twenty twenty. So <laughs> great start. Yeah. Maybe not I, the best uh, <laughs> he's got jet lag still.
0: I had a, a quick game um, of oh, buying.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that one, but oh. uh, I had two questions. Okay. The first one's pretty easy. What does the K in Brian K Vaughn stand for?
2: <laughs> Keith. That's my Cornelius. What'd you say? Cornelius. <laughs> Uh, a? Corn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. With a K. Yeah.
1: Well done. Kendall. Ooh. I'm going right. to say Kendall.
0: Boo. All right. I'm ending <laughs> that one. It's Is it Keller. like a di- Keller? Keller. Oh. It's not mm. very
1: snazzy. No wonder World. he went just with BKV or Brian K. Vaughn.
0: Yeah. Not Brian Keller
1: Vaughn. It sounds like he has a very defined chin when you say Brian Keller Vaughn.
0: And the other question, all 54 issues, how many pages do you think we read for this book club? No, please. Closest number wins. The no prize. Uh, Like a
2: jelly bean situation? Yeah. That's incredible. Um... I'll, I'll, I'll go first.
1: Let me see uh six hundred (laughs) and
2: sixty-nine.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Um I'm gonna go with ten thousand. Wait, no. Oh. Wait. No, one one thousand and (laughs) ten. One thousand and ten. That's I'm I'm staking my claim right there. Okay, all right. One thousand
3: six hundred and twenty.
0: Ooh, okay. Uh, so the closest one is, Sean, without going over, we read 1,217 pages.
2: Oh, okay. oh I, w- I went half, pretty much. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Damn. I surprised
2: yeah. yeah. Me. I, was I was like, like oh, man, angels, you're a little so low, right buddy. Sorry,
0: <laughs> to- <laughs> Easy, 22 on average times 54. Come on.
3: See, I d- I did. Uh, I did 30. I gambled at 30 okay. pages. No, yeah.
0: it, just, it was only like no back matter, just like content. I should have clarified, I guess. Yeah, you should have. Before we do anything, uh, I'm going to let anybody listening uh, know where you can find more of this, more of the pals, and more of the stuff that we like to do.
3: And after that, why would you want to <laughs> uh,
0: follow us on any and all social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? You guys know how to do internet stuff. TikTok. We're actually on TikTok. All mm-hmm. the, the comics pals on TikTok. We do. Silly videos there, or at least clips of the silly stuff that we do on the show. Um, join our Discord. The You can extend the conversation there that you have, that we have here with us or with any of the listeners who are interested in this uh, and any other the other book clubs that we have on our docket. We just finished doing uh, Scott Pilgrim. That was our December book club, a fun little book. And uh, we had uh, some news about that come out recently that um, we're all pretty excited for. Um, speaking of news, our main podcast, The Economy's Palace, drops every Monday on all platforms. You can get it on a, your favorite audio streaming site and on YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe if you like any of that content there. Uh, similarly, we continue the conversation with all the listeners. who so do leave a, com- a comment on those. And if you don't want to wait till Monday, we actually do the show live on Saturdays, 10 a.m., so come in if you're just waking up on Saturday morning and decide, oh, I want to talk about comics or hear some nerds talk about comics. You're, we're, we're your pals for that. Uh, we also have our Thursday comic, weekly comic reviews where you'll hear our thoughts on issue 55. So a lot more saga for everybody who's interested in it and wants more. But you can even watch that live, believe it or not. Comes out on Wednesdays, 6 PM. What? That's crazy. We're doing too Eastern much. Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, you can see it in the Pacific. You're not gonna see anything. That's your fault.
1: See you see uh, the last episode we posted, so hey, you'll see something.
0: And um as always, if you guys have any other comments, shoot us an email. The comic spouse at chimbo.com. You want to ask us questions about books to read, uh things that you're reading, or you just want to talk. You know, if we like it, maybe we'll talk about it. Uh, And you can even recommend us a future book club if you should like. Full spoilers, right? We read all 54 issues. We're going to jump right in. Uh, And what better way to start a book club about Saga than with the end? Oh, my God, can you believe? No.
3: (laughs) Can I I, uh, tell a quick anecdote? Sure. So I I told my wife that we were doing it and that I never read it. And
1: she, oh, hold on! Wait, hold on! Did not know you never read that. Never read she,
3: this. So I said this, and I got I ordered the um, this nice new collection that I unwrapped uh, last week. And and she said, she said, "Oh, I think they have another kid that dies in book seven or eight. And I went, "Why?" Oh, <laughs> I went, "Baby, I haven't read it." <laughs> She well, went, I do- don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that.
0: <laughs> so okay, wait. That's actually uh, a great first question. Um, how was your first experience reading that? Because I, I, I'm assuming everybody. I think everybody else has read parts of it, right? Sean and Tyler.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. I read every issue as it came out. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So,
3: Kale. I I re I let me let me start by saying I re- I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very angry at the fact that, uh, it ends the way it does. And now I have to live with this anxiety. Um, <laughs> I wish I hadn't read it this way. Uh, I wish I, and I, I have thoughts about this, uh, later on when we talk about it. Cause I'm sure we will. I wish that I'd read it either month to month or trade to trade. Hmm. Uh, as they come out, as opposed to one right after the other, uh, because I'll, I feel like the the weight really uh, does a lot of lifting. What do you mean the weight? the The weight between issues or trades.
0: Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. Like the time between, not uh, the actual. Yeah. Remote. Yeah. Um, Tyler. It's, well, it it's months, funny months.
1: That, that it's funny that Kel brings it up because that that was whenever I talked about this book weekly. The, the big thing that I always mentioned was like this thing knows how to do the last page cliffhanger way too well. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially the cliffhangers that happened before when they went on hiatus a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are usually between. I read them. I read them in the hardcover deluxe edition. So there's three books. So in between those three books, or I guess the major arcs, those cliffhangers were rough, Um, like right before the time jumps. And I remember week to week, it was like always on the top of my pile, this book. Um, And there would always be something that happens in it that just freaks the shit out of me at the end or the beginning. It does like the opposite of a cliffhanger. It like throws you in usually too with the first opening page. Um, It was very fun to read week to uh, month to month. Because of that, Um, it made you kind of hungry for the next issue. But reading this all in one go, it still worked for me because it made the read super super smooth. Or like I didn't want to not read it anymore. Like because Mm -hmm. those cliffhangers were there, and I can figure out exactly what happens afterwards just by flipping a page. I was storming through this book. I would. I think I finished the book one and two. In one sitting and then I stormed out book three in its own sitting I did four and five in like an hour and a half yeah yeah it's like it, I didn't I know like the whole cliche of, oh you can't put this one down I really couldn't it was it was that kind of good for me um, so it was kind of an interesting journey journey uh, reading it in this form uh, for once I have never read it in trade even though I've had the books I've never read it until now um, so usually it was a, a, a month-to-month read for me.
0: So similarly, um, it was a month-to-month read. And um, we actually got a question in the Discord. If you join our Discord, you know we announce all of our book clubs in advance. And we usually ask people in the Discord to submit some questions. Um, that was actually one of the questions we got from Nihilus about how people read this and how that felt. And I'm glad you had a similar experience to me because that's very much how I felt about the the way um, it, it added to the drama and the way that Fiona would end the books with the full page. Like there was just this tangible, palpable tension at the end of every issue. And as you approached it to because once you saw the full page, she doesn't use them a lot. And so you can tell once you got there, you see you turn that page and you get there and it's the full page, you're like, Fuck. and you you don't even have to bother turning to the next page. You know that it's to be continued, um, but I reread this on the plane. It was a five hour flight, and I uh, blew through it. Took like uh, maybe like a half hour nap, and I found myself landing in DR, having being on like issue thirty four or something. Like absolutely absorbed. It made the trip fly by. It's it's that good of a book to drag, like bring you in and keep you there. And I think that was what I really appreciated about reading it in this way, this time around, because I felt like I also understood some of the thoughts and like concepts a bit more where, while I was reading it month to month, I kind of got the the drama and the emotional stuff.
2: Uh, it hit harder. So uh, I probably read the first, I don't know, 30 30- or so issues of this as it was coming out, but like every other image comic, those long hiatuses were just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and inevitably, I eventually just forgot about it, even though I knew it was being published. I'd pick it up, and I, you know, I'd come back to him like, oh shit, I don't remember the last thing that happened. I'll go read, you know, the last issue to catch myself up, and then I wouldn't do that. And then it would get to the point where it was just too far gone. Um, So, for me, this wait wasn't a wait, which is cool, but at the same time, uh, I do wish that I had been uh, more connected to the monthly releases, or however consistent that schedule was. Um, Monthly? (laughs) Um. That being said, though, Saga is probably the most bingeable comic of all time. Oh, it's Um, it's smooth as hell. Yeah, yeah, Um, and we're going to talk about that from a dialogue standpoint, from an art standpoint, but, you know, boy, did they find magic in a bottle with this one. Um, Like you guys already stated, you can get through these issues really quickly Um, and not because they're sparse or, you know, because you're being uh, sold less than what you're paying for. It's just that it's crafted so well um, that it's a breeze in the best way possible.
0: It feels meticulous in the way that it's plotted out, and I think because of that, and the way that Fiona is able to just translate a lot of there's a lot of like open panels, right? She she shows like body language really well, facial uh, face facial emotion really well, and so the opposite to what a uh, Atomic Farland does, um, BKB does not overwrite. He does not. It feels like nothing uttered is extra or fluff. Everything is super deliberate. And when it's translated artistically, it just allows you to go from panel to panel, from page to page, issue to issue, like trade to trade, because everything is that smooth and controlled on both fronts.
1: I would consider it like... Precise, You know, it's it's not even just like that. It's it doesn't bog down its storytelling with unnecessary dialogue or captions or narration. It is when it does that, it does it for a reason. Um, but then also like Fiona Staples's art, it's not super showy. It's not overly rendered or detailed. It's also super precise. It, 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 she shows you what you're supposed to see on the page that'll tell the story. Um, You don't have to worry about, you know, these large landscaping backgrounds or if you do, it's on purpose, you know, but they're also not, you know, like uh, recently we read uh, Robin to Batman by Dustin Nguyen. where like, that was very sparse in his backgrounds because that's just kind of the art style that Dustin Nguyen has. But this is much more precise in the way it works. And I enjoyed that about this. I kind of noticed that on this time around.
2: Yeah. um Yeah. One of the things that really helps, too, is just how widescreen the book is. Um, One of the things about Ultimates that people always talk about is how, you know, the panels are always so wide and, you know, big and the characters are big. And that's something that this book does really well. The characters are large. Let me just hold up. Uh, a random can't hold up that random page last time doesn't work out <laughs> um but like Relax. just look at these these characters right like these yeah. panels are big characters are big most of the time you don't get more than like five panels per page um and that really helps to keep things trucking lots of comic book writers you know they fall in love with their words and i think brian k vaughn is so comfortable as a writer That he understands when to let the artists do the heavy lifting and Mm -hmm. that's a talent that only the most seasoned pros have and you can do that when you're working with someone as talented as fiona staples
1: you're telling me you didn't want to see a nice alan moore um homage with a nine panel grid in this one nah that would have Uh, same
0: (laughs) so let's jump into some of the meat of this um I think the the premise is at its core pretty simple. It's star-crossed lovers have a daughter who is at the center of the ideological conflict between their two warring um, families. And their journey is to survive. And throughout the book, I think they do a bit more than that. They end up thriving. And um, I think the way that, BKV guides their narrative through the ups and downs. Is uh, for me emotionally, uh, emotionally jarring in uh, a couple times, but also um, it it's good storytelling. And just starting at that premise, the the way that we're introduced to our three main characters, Hazel, Alana, and there's more characters, but like the, the main family here. Hazel, Marco, and Alana uh, is in conflict. They literally give birth in a back room. And if uh, the both warring sides of each of their respective families, or each of their respective, at least people, um, the planets that they're from, come in and raid them, trying to kill the daughter here. Um, this opening was. I was an, an early comics reader. I you know, I think this was probably my first image book ever. And so the concept being so easy to digest and so easy to just be engrossed in was for me, um, I think a really good comics experience. Because I feel like sometimes we don't get those as a reader, you get overwhelmed. So I think I, I'd, I'd like to start there um, as how did this book bring you into itself? Um from the first issue,
1: I would say it gets me in on the first page. I think the yeah. first line spoken in this book is, "Oh, it feels like I'm shitting." Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's oh, it's it's Alana giving birth. You know, it's this very human, quote unquote, human thing um, that we see in this alien world. And the, these are very human characters. A lot of the, everyone has a distinct voice in this, and they are a uh, uh, multifaceted um none of them are morally black and white everyone kind of fucks up in this book and i think that's what kind of really hooked me especially in the first issue cuz you see that, you see that right off the bat with these characters you see that alana's this foul-mouthed um uh, uh, ex uh, soldier and marco's kind of this guy who you can tell he was he was he's been through some shit um, but he's trying to change that and like right away it, it hooks you. Um, I think the way I can describe this book, um, I guess succinctly is it's, it's, it's about war and fucking and then everything that happens in between that. Um, and it, you get that from issue one. I remember getting this as a, as getting the first issue of this, um, when image was good at marketing. Um, and being hooked I'm like yo I this is like this was like the the spark for that initial image boom uh, I would guess nine yeah. ten years ago at this point it was right around that time where you had these big image books coming out um, and yeah I was I was in from the get um, I was like you Marco I was I mean not like you I was gonna say like you I was a mostly a superhero comics reader but in the sense that I didn't really read quote unquote indies. Um, and this kind of re re rewired my brain for what a comic could be in a way could be a little crass, could be graphic, could be adult, but also super nerdy and full of sci-fi and weird character design and weird space guns, you know? Um, so yeah, that first issue hooked me immediately and he hooked me again when I reread it, which was, which was great.
2: Yeah, I I feel the same way. This is a book that, um, again, is just so well crafted. And I came into this, you know, already several years deep into reading comics and kind of, you know, pretty much comfortable with indie stuff by this point. Um, But Saga turned me on my head like it's maybe the most adult comic I've ever read. But it's also the most juvenile comic I've ever read, um, because it's not necessarily about like it, everything it deals with, it deals with in a in a way that's like, oh, this feels real to me. Um, and I felt that even more this read around. Um, and yeah, you know, there's a lot of fart jokes and you know language that's definitely not like acceptable in most areas. But it's all about the weight. You know, it's all about the the weight of things and understanding what it is that you're wrestling with. And this is a book that's never afraid to go there. Um, and when it sees the line, it takes you and throws you over the line and forces you to deal with what's on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And that's really um, that's really fantastic storytelling. And that's, you know, um, that's what I love about stories, stories that make you think and feel and have to deal with how that feels and doesn't hold back or pull punches. Um, You can tell that from stem to stern, this is Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. This is what they want. And, uh, you know, I'm here for it.
3: Yeah, very similarly, I uh, it it was very hard for me to not be absolutely charmed by the by the first page. Um, I have a uh, uh, I I, one of the big reasons I resisted this book for so long is because uh, in my uh, while I was at uh, uh, school doing my my comics degree, someone uh, all they would talk about is Saga. I hated this person. Cool. I'll (laughs) never read Saga fuck this person so i opened that first page and i went fuck i'm gonna love this <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that why you messaged in the group chat like i hate you marco for picking this
3: no i hate marco for picking this because of the emotional damage it did to me oh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: so the i think what the the book also does well is uh, in in pretty much any instance Outside of grabbing you, it also manages to introduce its characters and set the stage uh, pretty precisely. So we are introduced to our antagonists from the get-go as well: Prince Robot, the Fourth, and the Will. Prince Robot being a ally to the Landfallians, who are the winged, uh, uh, I guess, planet, and then um, the Will, an assassin who gets hired in order to kill the uh, Hazel, Alana, and Marco. And um, we, I, I felt like in this reread, um, I hadn't reread the first arc in quite a while. And I remembered um, while like maybe halfway through, it felt like I... it I don't know, kind of not as tight as I remember some of the later stuff being and i think one of the things that uh, in an interview brian kavon had mentioned was you know this this first arc was not necessarily meant to be like the, the expectation was it wasn't to go past this or at least if it didn't sell and so he had an out at chapter 6 you know if mm-hmm. if the numbers didn't come in if something didn't go right he had an out and so a lot of what happened i think it's still structured well and flows well um their trip to escape the planet that they're on that hazel was born on cleave to try to find this uh tree rocket ship in the endless woods at the end of this journey because they have this map like all that was built up so well but um some of the the in-between moments i think were pretty quick um and i this felt like a like a good foundation for what came later but i i did feel it to be a bit rockier than some of the later stuff
2: can you can you um like speak spe- to specifics because that's kind of vague and i want to sink yeah. our teeth into the conversation at this point
0: so for me it was um when the stock um almost kills marco and um the stock being one of the other assassins brought on board in order to uh, kill this family, and they need to go and heal. Um, they need to go and heal him by finding snow. Um, and it, at this moment, I felt like it was the the action was paced out, sort of back to back, and things were kind of just happening in in sequence. It didn't. It felt like some of these moments were kind of for plot, like and for the drama, and I think that worked, but. Um, the way that they play things later, for example, with um, uh, the thing that always comes to mind is um, the the moments where Alana got on uh, fade uh, was it fade out and or fade F- away fade, fade away, away. Yeah. yeah yeah and she got hooked on that and that kind of persisted a bit longer um, throughout the the those six issue that six issue arc uh, that I think worked a bit better. In terms of building drama and drawing conflict out than some of the what felt to me a bit more just kind of manufactured of they're getting chased attacked
1: and kind of beats it's funny you mentioned that because I I vaguely have a recollection of one of the few criticisms of this book when it was coming out monthly was around that arc or that time where things plot wise were not moving where they were kind of all on that one planet Mm -hmm. you know Alana was working a job And uh, Marco was having an emotional affair like where, yeah, in trade, it it reads real well because it's it's juicy character bits. Um, But I remember people complaining about it when it was out. It's like, oh, what happened to Saga? Why is it slow now? Um, And I think that that makes sense at the beginning of of it being, you know, uh, scene after scene after scene because it didn't really have its footing in the zeitgeist, I guess. Um, where later on they have more more wiggle room and comfort to do those longer character builds. Um, but it's funny because I think I remember the exact opposite of people saying or, or agreeing with you, but for a different reason.
0: That arc, though, I, I loved it month to month. I absolutely loved it.
3: Really? Like, okay. Well, that's, that's exactly your shit. Of course you did. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> what do you read? Slice of Life manga as well? Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I, I definitely know what you're talking about though Marco, about the uh, the the stuff seeming to just be st- the stuff happening for plot. like one thing that comes to mind for me uh, is is when uh, Hazel reveals her wings to her teacher and her teacher faints and hits her head on a table. I was a bit like, why it just it just seemed like an extra level of drama that didn't necessarily
1: need to go anywhere was that uh, a finger at that point that part yeah it was right yeah I, mean, I think that might have been the only reason for it <laughs> I yeah. yeah and and I don't know that
3: that that's what I uh, one of the things I was sort of talking about you know when I was saying like the weight. For, you know, each issue really benefits this book because it hooks you on that last page and then it just picks it up, you know, in the next one uh, on the next issue. And it sort of I, I, I imagine it sort of plays with how you, you know, remember the rest of the issue being by that hook.
2: Uh, We got a question that um, I'm reminded of now just about like what makes a complete comic and I think that when you apply that to Saga, um, Saga, I think, is the best modern example of comics that make you want to come back and buy the next one. Um, Hmm. A lot of modern books, the, the storytelling almost assumes you'll be back. Yeah. And that is not a luxury that I think comics creators really have at all. Um, And it's funny because the one of the few books that absolutely does doesn't abuse that Um, Mm -hmm. Saga makes it so that every single issue, not that you can have never read an issue of it before and come in and know everything and get everything. But that if you've been keeping up or if it's a new arc, a lot of times you can find your footing and be satisfied by the end in the sense that you just got a complete story within that chapter and now you feel like you need to see what's gonna happen next. Um, And so to the earlier conversation about that particular arc where things really slow down, that was actually one of the points at which I was like, eh, what's going on? Because we had just come off, I believe, a layover, you know, waiting. And then we get into this arc that feels super slow, nothing really moves. I was like, ah, I don't know about this. Um, and then I didn't really necessarily love the direction for the characters. It, it works itself out, and it's a necessary piece of the puzzle. But in the moment, I didn't love that. Um, but even then, the book still has, like, every single issue is the same in the sense that it has a proper beginning, middle, and end, and it gives you that story. Um, whether it's exhilarating or not is up to how you feel about it. But I would say that's the one and only time in my first ever reading, and then now where I was like, ah, this is a little slow and plotting. It does. earns the next issue. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I think that also came uh, that arc in particular comes right after we get um, the death of um, Oswald Heist, the writer. Um, mm. We we get Prince Robot trying to you know uh, he gets his mind all messed up after getting smacked with uh, like the heartbreaker the, the the like it all comes out of these big action moments and sequences the will gets into a coma and and so like that slowing it down um i think also like you can attribute a lot of it from to that but i i don't know it's specific but like I that arc in particular love that stuff i think the action sequences are a bunch of fun and uh and in in both of its elements, I think Brian is comfortable writing both scenarios. He can write the slow issues really well, comfortably to drive the emotion, to drive the the high drama the same way he can drive the action, the heartbeat, uh, the heart pace, and like heart beating of uh, you know the what's gonna happen in the next issue, and, and he's able to balance all that. So I mentioned it earlier, but at the very beginning, the uh, the trio is stuck on a planet ravaged by war. And I think one of the biggest things that I realized rereading all of this is how a lot of the concepts and planets and characters that Brian puts into this feel that much more connected by these larger themes that he seems to be talking about month to month i you know was always floored by that last page but in this reading you can really see the way he's trying to talk about things and the biggest thing has for me was was probably the the war aspect you know, horrors the uh the way certain planets and certain people take advantage uh in different classes refugees there's just like so much pumped into that um, one of the big things, uh, specifically within that is, um, for me, Dango mm-hmm. and, uh, Dango being a rope, a, a, I guess, serf of the robot kingdom who kills Prince robot's wife, princess steals the sun and we're we're made to feel like he has a a message because he's collateral damage of war and of classism but his message gets muddied because of what he does in order to try to bring about change he brings about it in the wrong way regardless of the situation and um his his whole idea is that if i get the ear of somebody if i can just talk to this person and deliver this message i will change the war And there's a level of naivety to it um, that I found absolutely fascinating.
1: I was all in on on Dango. I was like, yeah, man, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's Dango
3: was the first moment where the robots felt touchable. You know, when you when you first meet Prince Robot and 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 the other robots, you know, to me at first they were very like. Okay, these dudes, fuck! They are out to get it, and uh, uh, Dingo comes in and just slaughters. Um, and and it was at that moment that, like you know, uh, even even Prince Robot was sort of, I mean, vulnerable. You know, more so than before. To me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I hated Dengo, which is definitely what I think I'm supposed to have felt.
0: Uh, I I felt sorry for him.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you did. I feel sorry uh, for him. I was rooting for him. he's He's an asshole, and he killed a mother and stole her baby and, you know, threatened... Several more mothers and babies and women and men and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's cool because that's that's an aspect of the story that we needed to see that the war has consequences for people outside of the specific family that we had been following up until that point, and that it has consequences for people who are not landfallian or wreaths. Um, yeah, it's, it, that. It, it, that that it's what more wide reaching than the the than what we have been shown so far. Um and so for that reason he was a good character. Um but yeah, that was one of the that was one of the points of the book where I was like holy shit, where will this book not go? Um what will they what will they not, you know, sort of put us through and allow to happen. Um it's just that whole arc is just so crazy. Every turn, you know, um even where um, where Hazel gets, you know, taken to that, like, internment camp school or whatever. Mm. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, are you kidding me? This is something that would almost assuredly not happen in the hands of another creative. Team. You know, they wouldn't have separated child from family in this way, but they go there always.
3: Well, and they wouldn't have uh, put the, you know, the six month gap or whatever it was in the middle of that, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I also like how, yeah, we get to talk about this book. as like, it's really cool sci-fi book. Um, but it's talking about heavy topics like war, but not just normal war proxy war, which living in the United States maybe something we don't really, um, allow ourselves to come to terms with. We don't think um, about it. It's just, it's not, yeah, a, it's you not don't, a we thought. get to think about it with robot uh, TV, robot people and alligator people. And, uh, Yeah, we don't get to actually hear about, well, you can if you seek it out, about the effects that that causes people where those wars and those fights are held, you know, of all the collateral damage that war uh, causes. Um, And this is a, sure, it's a popcorn version of uh, displaying that to a reader, but I think it doesn't in a really compelling way.
0: I don't even think it's a popcorn version because of how graphic. A lot of this gets represented. It does, like, yeah. You get people's faces blown off. People continue to live limbs are cut. Like the 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 representation here, I think, is done on both fronts. The Fiona carries that because she's able to literally show you something that is supposed to be horrific. In the same way that Brian writes something that you're supposed to understand is inherently horrific as well.
1: Yeah. And one of the things too is like we there are there is no right side in this. In the war, it's it, the book has never favored one one combatant over the other. It's really just about war as this uh, force of nature and what it can do to everyone that that's that's confronted with it. It's not saying Lampolians are right or Wreath is right. It's just saying war's fucked up, and because that happens, this is how the average Joe handles it.
2: I also think that's a way that the book keeps itself feeling so smooth is that it doesn't bog itself down with the politics of that. And in a way, it's it's almost like it trusts the reader to kind of fill in those blanks mm. or to not think about them because it doesn't matter in real life. Whatever place you're from, if they're in war, you probably just side with wherever you're from because the propaganda is forcing you to feel that way. And the other side has the same feeling, um, but if you were able to have a view over top of that and see things objectively, you'd realize that there's not a tremendous difference between this war and the war before and the war that's coming. It's all just one war, and so better to focus on how it's impacting people and you know what their lives are like as a result of this, um, which you know I really love the fact that. You know, Alana and Marco are both veterans of war, um, because while the book is not necessarily about war, war is is kind of, you know, the table that's that's set. Mm. Um, And so for them to both have intimate experiences with it and great reasons to not only not want to partake, but to run as far away as possible from it. Before, like even before they meet each other, you know, it's like, damn, I've lost people to this. I've lost myself to this. I'm a monster that kills people for this. You know, these things that they don't want to be. And then Hazel's like the manifestation of that um, because Hazel, the Hazel's existence is an abomination in this wartime. Um, so this can't be right. If this child that we made from our love is wrong, then all of this can't be right. So it can't exist. And we got to get away from it. I
0: think also the way that it ties into some of the like classism, um, specifically with Fang the comet, where it's a space that is specific for resources. It is being the plant the the comet is being drained for what it can provide, and rather than it going to the people of, uh, of Fang, um, where we end up spending a a pretty long arc, uh, it's 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 sent back to those warring planets to where the actual people uh, who are controlling the machinations of war are impacting your average person um, and it it almost feels like these people are obligated to suffer because the rich planets want to continue to fight for some ideology rather than come to terms that there's a a way forward for peace um i think the one of the other things that they they mentioned that I, i thought was interesting was the distinction between both planets there was a moment where um like originally you get context into each of the planets from mostly from marco's uh, backstory you don't really get to as much uh, at least in depth as you do uh, with Alana you get to see Marco with his mother Clara uh, and his father Barr and how he sort of has grown up and um, the, there's a moment where the narration of Hazel describes um, landfall to be this sort of consumer society they they have malls and they, are blissfully unaware and, and they have a privilege to volunteer for war, but never have to see it. And, um, I think, I think mean, that that's an interesting concept because of how, uh, because of, to what Tyler said, right? It, it reflects how we don't have to worry about those kind of things because we don't need to think about it because we're not literally on the battlefields of whatever it needs to be, because we can volunteer if we want to. We, we have the option to say no, where these people don't. Mm.
3: And and while I do really appreciate that, the one panel late later on in the series, I, I don't remember what volume it's in. Uh, now it's all the same to me, but uh, there was a, 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 a an Apple Store. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the word? Uh, it was, it was supposed like al- to be an Apple Store. Yeah, um, yeah. and a- maybe. Uh, sure, sure. that took me right out of it. I was like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things that was like it, it, like obviously he's saying something and like you're supposed to know what that is. But it was just it, that took me right out of it.
2: There were a lot of people who complained, and I'm sure they still will about some of those aspects of the book that draw in things that are too real um if you were reading it month to month there's a um, there's an issue where uh hazel references fidget spinners yeah, yeah and yeah. in the back matter yeah. um a lot of people complained about that um and said you know like oh that's too close to home or you know that's ridiculous why would she know about that and um i think that at times that doesn't work um mm. and you know, like does Hazel really need to have a fidget spinner? What is it like what 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 is the reason to take something from our real life and introduce it into the book in that way? It kind of takes you out of it. Um I think that's just Brian K. Vaughn's flavor. Um, hmm. and he talks about how much he loves being able to kind of do that. And I I suppose he meant in more ways than just the fidget spinner. But um, yeah, I, I I do I don't think that that's above criticism, but I also don't think it's something that's going away.
0: No. And and I don't think it like, yeah, I I I don't think it necessarily. At least for me, it, it didn't impact the the reading. Like the content is still there, even if it's a little cheesy.
3: Well, and I think it's not it's not so egregious either that it's like it takes away from the book itself sure. right like the book is obviously trying to do bigger things and that's what the book will be remembered by not you know the shitty make-believe apple store in except, one panel you know except
0: that one comics fan he's gonna be real mad about it and um, i am <laughs> the sean mentioned that um Hazel being born in, in this book is considered a crime. And um, I thought that interesting because it's brought up a couple of times uh, within a couple different contexts. But um, I guess the first one that comes to mind is, is would, would bringing a child into such a situation be a crime, rather than the child itself being so? Um, and that's something that I had been sort of racking my brain about just you know, how do people exist knowing that their child may very well die a violent death
2: okay so uh first i have a question is it ever actually said that them having a child is a crime like a crime on that they're going to be arrested for no Not, i don't think so no yeah. it's like a moral crime right yeah. so the reason why i asked that is because what they did is so shocking that there's not even a crime for it um it's so it's such a revolutionary idea to even do what they did that it just them having a child together is something that has the power to turn this war uh on its head well and it should it should literally be physically impossible and it should be well go ahead tyler uh,
1: I don't think it's it, that it should be physically impossible. I think it shows that the the people have been lied to from both right. sides that right. this yeah. is possible, yeah. and then that breaks down the idea of propaganda, and then it breaks down faith in the war itself. It's this idea yeah. and the symbol for essentially
2: peace um, that neither side wants to have exist. And I also uh, took it from a race angle, where you know, mm-hmm. at some point in history, the idea of a white person and a black person being able to have a child was probably insane you know um for a certain group of people just think that blacks were not human um how could this be how could this happen you know um i really loved how the book goes there as well when it comes to you know race there's one particular arc where um i think uh not on i don't think it's on fang but it might be where it's all these different groups of people, all these different kinds of species that are all fighting this war. And it talks about how they all hate each other and stuff like that. Um, think, yeah. OK. Yeah. And um, I saw us in that, you know, I saw human beings in that of all different shades. Um, and of course, you know, Brian K Vaughn is going to pull from reality and then, you know, add weird dinosaurs and crocodiles to it. But um, That was hitting me where I live that. And I love how effortlessly they do that stuff all throughout the book.
0: I mean, even um, one of the things they actually do outright list as being a crime is um, for just existing. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, the the her existence is that threatening in the same way that for for the war that on a societal level, there are some ideas and some, um, I guess, archaic uh ideologies like for um jet sam the 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 two uh reporters Upshur and doff like them being homosexual is inherently a crime on that planet that makes their lives that much more difficult and the the idea of them just wanting to live happily the same way that hazel marco and alana want to live happily and just be i think is super uh, it's is the word empathetic or sympathetic?
1: I don't know. I'm not sure. It's one of the pathetics.
0: <laughs> but you feel for these people. like, And, yeah. and I think yeah. because that is such a... It feels like such a human emotion, you can connect with these characters and with that concept.
1: And once, and once those two sets of characters inter, inter, finally interact in the book, they... Uh, kind of just accept each other for that. And they, and they realize that each other, like they've been going through the same thing from different points, like Upshur and off And they, they really connect with Alana and Marco, even though previously they had viewed him as like, Oh, this is just this, this, this money stream that we can get. Right. You know, and it even turns them eventually. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the character work in this book is fantastic Um, across the board from, from design, like, like visually from Fiona Staples. Um, even like background characters or characters who just get killed off in a panel like his little mole people that the will kills off you know like uh, the character of stuff in this book is
2: one of my favorite aspects of it it's rare to see a comic or really not just a comic but like a, a story shift its cast so often mm. um, If you if you had like a Uh, an image of every character who's ever had like a more than a small speaking role in the book, it'd be a lot. And if you compare that to pretty much any other like indie book, Um, you know, I think saga dwarfs most books in terms of how many different characters it has supported, um, how many of them are dead, how many of them are gone, how many of them are yet to even be seen 54 issues deep. That's really impressive. And for us to be able to sit here and rattle their names off, know what they went through, know who they are. That's a testament to the strength of the character work all throughout this book. That's a feat in and of itself.
0: That's a really good point because the, all of these characters have arcs, like in in one way or another. Like even um, even Isabel, the the ghost baby. Oh, no,
1: don't even talk to uh, me about uh, Isabel. Yo, go go go! Come on, tell me, Sean. Tell <laughs> well, me, Sean. actually, b- before we get to this, Sean, do you mind if I bring in a question from the Discord that ties sure. directly into this? Sure. So, a friend of the sh- a friend of the show, uh, Build from Warrior, said, uh, "More than The Walking Dead saga has a wonderful habit of shocking and sudden deaths.
2: Any that shocked you in particular? I think uh, I think I know where you're going with this one, Sean." So Isabel's not the one that shocked me the most. Uh, that would be Marco. But mm. Fair. Um, Isabel was the first time this book broke my heart uh, because yeah. I love mm. Isabel. Who doesn't? Right? Like you want so badly for her to be the babysitter of Hazel forever, and you know how much she loves this family, and for them to for her to lose that, but for them to lose her was such a gut punch. And it it was the first time where I was like, oh, man, this book will really, really go anywhere. Like, no one is safe. And then I still thought, like, oh, no, okay, no one's safe. But Marco Alana and Hazel are safe, right? Yeah. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Fuck Brian K. (laughs) Vaughn.
0: to to that uh, Isabel piece, though, I think what would really hurt was then you turn the page and then Hazel feels it. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. The planet. And you're just like, oh,
1: no. And and with the the Isabel one in particular, like the pacing of it was different. It wasn't like a last page cliffhanger. It like happens like in the middle of the issue. issue. Mm -hmm. Which which goes like, no,
2: it it couldn't have happened. It's not. They didn't do that, really. It it goes (laughs) to show you that Brian K. Vaughn is finding new ways to torture you. New ways, new, new creative ways to come at your mind, to punch you in the face and have you not realize that it's about to happen. Like, I think the
1: one that that shocked me the most. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously the Marco and the Prince Robot stuff, but like the brand when the brand gets mm. chomped. In oh, hands, yeah. I was like, oh, this is a great new character. I love. Uh, she, she's great. I can't wait to see where she goes in this book. Uh, and then she's like killed off really, really early. I uh, yeah
3: didn't care about that. Really, I actually, I actually felt like that was kind of stupid and unnecessary. Killing her um, or having her killing her okay oh yeah well because i mean i mean it's a book about war so fair enough but like uh like i i really really dislike the fact that Gwendolyn and and the brand went after sophie uh when it it really seemed like the the clear thing to do would be to just don't react don't wake up the dragon let her do her thing and it just uh, to me that whole situation could have been avoided.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of felt like that was uh, unnecessary. I think that's the point, though. It's
1: unnecessary because it didn't really make sense for you in terms of plot or anything like that. But like, that's what made it surprising to me because it didn't make sense.
2: You know, I don't know if that's a good thing, though. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the <laughs> the story should be doing things that are just Keep random on my toes. Like, no, like sweet boy, he just gets offed. But that's okay, because, like, it wasn't something illogical that he did. Well, no, please. He's a species. I hated that. But, like, okay, the dog died, right? Like, the dog got shot in a normal situation. I don't think anyone in the situation that you guys were just talking about had to die. The brand just made a, a, like, a a completely, like, seemingly out of character decision. If she's this talented mercenary, then just died. Like, Okay.
0: No, because it was Sophie, and and those are one of the those is one of the things that I think from like a plot perspective would sometimes just kind of get thrown in. Because Sophie decided to not listen to Gwendolyn and to the brand, and be like, "You stay here, don't do anything," and she mm. goes off, does whatever the thing does, and then results in the brand getting killed. I think that was one one death where I was a bit frustrated because similar to Tyler, I wanted to see more because I was really curious about the relationship with the will and how, you know, uh, her and Gwendolyn might become like friends and how this trio would exist. But then Sophie goes and does something stupid as a little kid and results in this adult getting killed.
1: And, and even like in a way the brand gets fridged for Sophie because it's really about Sophie's character growth that the brand existed. Cause after the fact she discovers that the brand's name is actually Sophie and she was named after this person. Well, uh, and for, and for the wills band pain too. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Gail, do you have a, a, a most shocking one? I'm, I'm I'm curious what everyone's are. Uh
3: I think I I yeah, obviously Marco uh hit me the hardest. Uh but I think the one that really, really got me the one, the one where I I I Oh 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 oh
1: uh <laughs> there's multiple apparently. <laughs>
3: Geez. uh the one i think it was at the end of volume 7 it was the 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 little uh uh weasel people
0: oh that was so sad oh, um dude, yeah. that issue cuz Chris, Chris,
3: christy, the, christy? Curdy. curdy curdy yeah the because uh they're you know he's forced he's forced because of his family to stay and you know hazel's like no my friends like and and then the next couple of pages are black oh, and so i just like that was a that was the moment where i had to close a book and oh that it was dropped. just
0: it uh for me it was prince robot like that was a big one for me too the yeah the head came off i'm like oh like jaw just dropped I'm yeah like, yo like as much as marco hurt that one shocked me the most because i didn't mm. think that they were gonna yeah. go there with I, him also being a yeah. father.
1: I love Prince Robot. His arc throughout this. This dude turns face and heel more than the big show. Like <laughs> he just con- like you never knew what he would do next. And uh, I love that about that character. Because yeah. at the end where like you think he like he betrays Alana and Marco. Like oh, was he or was he playing no. another game of 2D like 4D chess? You know, like that was a bluff. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, but I yeah. like you, you couldn't really tell. I love, I
3: love that Marco's like, "No, nah, I knew you were lying. It's fine. I, I don't take you seriously at all."
0: Yeah, they just ignore his threats at this point. That's pretty good.
2: <laughs> I want to talk about the death of of Marco um, because this, like, this is one of those where. I know.
1: I can't hear that without looking at Marco himself. I'm like, he's still about here. He's talking about. Yeah. Still
2: here. I can. I can almost hear his voice. <laughs> um. This is the. This is the only death in the book that I. I was upset about. Um. Because I don't think that that should have happened. Um. Really? And this yeah, the story will tell me whether or not that is true, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I like where the story goes in the end, um, I don't think it will justify this. And the reason I feel that way is because, um, I feel like a lot of times fathers in stories are easily sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really, really was hoping to get to see, a story about, you know, not to say that a family must have a father to be a family, but a story about a, a, a family that against all odds is able to stick together and they live through this, you know, um, that's what I was really, really hoping for. And when it killed off Marco, it's like, ah, come on. Why? You know, you I don't think you needed that shock value. Um, I I really just think it was completely unnecessary. And again, it's another instance of a character dying for a dumb reason because we see Marco kill and and do all kinds of stuff throughout. But then in this particular instance, he's like, Nah, let me just die instead. It's cool. I also feel like it was like
3: it also felt like it was like faked out like three or four times, too.
0: It was because there was a whole fight. They like break in through the ship and everything. And you're not sure
1: who's going to make it out. I'm not fully sold that we're not going to get swerved.
2: I was just going to say that, too. Like, there is a chance that he is still alive, and I really hope that's the case. But if that if that is the case, Brian has sold it very well. I I feel like, though, when they have that, uh, that imagery, when something goes through
3: a character, that way they pretty much stay dead.
0: Well, you also have the sequence before that where he's remembering like some specific thing about... um, Hazel like on the beach. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just yeah. like having a moment. And then, um, she, yeah, even they says, it, yeah. they, she even says like, but thanks to my parents, I at least to get, got to grow old. Not everybody mm. does. That's the page. Right. And then in, uh, I, Oh, um, I loved that the to be continued like was blank right after that. Uh, I don't know if, if anybody had it like in the, in the issue, but he doesn't do like immediately go into the to be continued there's actually a, a blank page it's right, right. just to be continued no words and then he gets into the letters page and I'm like that was really good yeah. too um, but he says it he's like uh, he's dead I'm like yeah that dude. fucker dead I
1: don't trust him still <laughs> <laughs> it's comics yeah yeah it's comics it's comics This this race is full maybe I'm in denial I'm probably in denial I'm probably totally in denial um, but I don't know they got they, 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 they do magic and shit you know I don't Maybe.
0: Well, they can't bring know. people back from the dead. Allegedly. they, they say that If he's too. dead,
1: maybe his All organs right. aren't in the same spot. This is an alien race. I watched enough Star Trek to know that like, like Worf's got like two hearts, mm-hmm. right? Like,
3: mm-hmm. And everybody knows you can put your heart in your thigh. That's yeah. movable yeah, now, exactly, you know. Exactly.
0: So when, um, when I, the first time I read it, um, I... Like dropped the book, and I walked away for a bit. And mm. I remember specifically not—I uh, I was reading the book with Marina, and, um,
3: we, <laughs> and you just left like, her. No, no, no she you she didn't just, read no. the page. You just <laughs> you we just walked
0: away. We hadn't caught up, right? Because I had gone ahead. Because, like, uh, for whatever reason, I had—I had gone like past wherever she was. She's only a couple of issues behind, but. Um, I remember not wanting to read it with her because uh, it, it 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 hurt right and like mm. that would have sucked but I had, this reread also had me thinking about the the beginning um like the story overall mm. where I, I'm trying to understand why this is Hazel's story and so the my, my theory at least right now is that, you know, this death alongside with um Upshurn and, and or Adolf dying rather. Um, this is sort of a catalyst for why we're reading this story. Um this Marco dying would probably be the thing that Alana gets convinced has to do to honor Marco and a few issues before, you know, he's talking about how he wants to write and how he wants to get a story out there. And um it, it, I know, it's not like explicitly said at any point, but it feels like this is Hazel telling her story through Upshur and describing you know why mm. and her her life right, and this next arc is gonna be the the us seeing that like her getting convinced as to why she needs to come out and tell her story and uh, work towards the ideas that. Alan and Marco first fell in love for um you know the shirt sure was the the heist novels but it was also the the idea of finding that peace and finding that creation and so this is a culmination of taking the bad of the war to create something for positive effect
2: it's a very very interesting uh theory I hadn't considered that I kind of just thought Hazel was just you know sitting on her, sitting in her chair as an old lady, just having some delusional thoughts about her past before she died or something, you know, in the nursing. The old uh, Tom
1: King Supergirl method of
2: storytelling. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it, wow! It,
2: spoilers, it, Tyler. It's not done yet. It's just.
0: <laughs> it uh, it, it just it, it feels like it, I I don't know. It feels like this book is about is always about more than just whatever it is right so uh doff dying as well because i forgot that that happens mm. um just makes like sense that they both want to honor their partner
1: watch Upshur die on wednesday like <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and, yeah, and totally true. just yeah
0: they're gonna do some kind of time jump again like it has to be
1: oh well, yeah the cover Absolutely. Shows yeah the cover show. she's older hazel's Wait, older but at least yeah
0: that's not hazel it's alana isn't it
1: it might be Alana with there's her.
0: Like a, no, there's like a fuzzy. There's
1: like a fuzzy dude with an axe. Yeah, yeah, but there's a child well, That's with not like a magic out- outfit. Mm.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. That, uh, um, Hazel is definitely on the cover.
1: Really?
2: Yeah, she's the she's the girl in the middle.
1: Um, I, uh, oh, do you right guys. Down. Do you guys have any favorite characters? I have two main t- two main favorite characters throughout this whole thing so far. Mm.
2: Uh, I have three three okay yeah uh so i've got marco rest okay. in peace I'm
1: the only yeah. marco you like
2: yes <laughs> um <laughs> um and then also um shit i'm blanking uh go ahead i'll remember
1: that uh, we, we describe it and then i'll
2: maybe i can help you uh, I don't know. I don't know why I can't think right now. I'm, I'm so blanking. Petrich- I'll go, so- oh, oh, oh <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's one yes. of my favorites. Yeah, that's one of my Yeah, one of the e- easily one of the best characters in this in this series. Um, just the rawness of Petricor was a welcome addition. At first, I was like, wait, oh, hold on, hold on. We're trading Granny for <laughs> Petricor. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I don't want to do this. But um, as the book went on, especially when we found out that Alana was pregnant again, I was like, okay, so maybe there's a need for someone who's willing to get their hands dirty, um, you know, who 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 can fill in that void since she's pregnant and Markle's a pacifist. Somebody's got to fuck somebody up. Um, Turns out she just started fucking and it's (laughs) great. (laughs)
1: That 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 one uh, scene with Petricor and and Hazel talking about how Petricor is trans mm. is so simple, you know, and, 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 and real, and just normalizes it completely, invalidates both characters and how their their thoughts and feelings are. Yeah, so it was just like there's some wholesome shit right here in, the, in this comic, you know. Um, but my other favorite, So yeah, Petricor is one of my my top two. My other favorites, my boy Gus. Goose
2: Gus. Goose. Goose. Okay. It's an umlang. Goose, right? I had in my mind the voice of that character from Thor that speaks in like a low tone from, uh, Cork? yes, can I had Thor's voice universe? in my mind I while yeah, I was reading Gus's yeah. dialogue. Or I can
1: see that. Yeah, I can totally see that, actually. I was getting Maybe more just... Danny DeVito, but I, I can see that
3: see i was going i think i was going for more like a uh like a wallace sean uh the guy from um um
1: princess bride uh, princess bride yes uh, the incredibles uh yeah
3: yeah the insurance uh he's the insurance boss in the incredibles yeah
0: Mm. Nah, mine was boring mine was a disney like a disney side character voice or something fucking
3: olaf (laughs) like a, like a lefou
0: no, like yeah, it, all of us pretty good.
3: <laughs> okay, same person, Josh Gad. Oh, there you go. Uh, this will surprise no one. I liked uh, Barr and oh, uh, great, yeah. Uh, yeah, energy Oswald Heist,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oswald I
3: Heist, Barr was awesome. and the
1: Smut Rider, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, but also, also Prince Robot, yeah. Okay, I really like Prince Robot, he's my boy,
0: him and Marco. I like the constant tension, you like yourself,
1: he, wow. He like hey, classic on. marco move
0: and, but i my my favorite moments are when so like after uh alana leaves and leaves marco on that planet and they're like on the outs uh and then uh prince robot like comes back into the picture but then they team up and there's just like this like always they're always butting heads love that stuff that was so so good like two dads just on a mission doing guy shit
2: I'm gonna <laughs> kill you later, but first we're get my family back.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
2: My my other favorite's Alana. Um, uh, yeah. Alana, really like Alana, Alana is very a very awesome character. In her way, she feels like she's in that lineage of um, Sarah Connor and um, all those different like badass sci-fi yeah. women. the the, moms specifically too. Yeah. Yeah. Moms. Yes. The, the, the image that we most associate saga with, which is, you know, what you guys are seeing as the cover, um, or the background draping, if you're watching this on YouTube is her breastfeeding. And that's such a significant thing for so many different reasons. Like as a woman in the real world, the significance of that within the story, the significance of the identity of that baby and who's standing next to her. It's such a powerful image. Um, no matter what angle you come at it from. And it's a revolutionary image. And I love how um, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are unabashed about presenting her like that. Yeah, I'm a mom. Yeah, I breastfeed. Yeah, I'll fuck you up. Yeah, I like sex. Yeah, I like drugs. But I'm a human. Well, she's not a human, but like I'm a person, you know, dealing with all these different things. Um, And she manages to be cool throughout it all. I love a lot
0: she's she's a really consistent i think she's a consistent character where you know you have everybody around her kind of flip-flop every once in a while um Mm. i think uh, marco he is a pacifist he engages in violence when necessary but then he comes back and like feels sorry for some of those things and like, like there's there's a she's the one who i feel like has such a rock solid uh mental foundation um where you know prince robot is on the fritz every other issue and (laughs) she she as much as she takes care of alana takes i mean sorry takes care of of hazel also takes care of the and grounds the ship and the people on on it like Mm -hmm. she she very much guides people um and it doesn't feel like she needs to uh, she doesn't need to have somebody like holding her hand for that because she's probably the one reaching out and like pulling you in um, if that makes any sense,
1: but, yeah. She's the uh, anchor of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, very much yeah. so. And I think, and I think that that is such a good thing for Hazel um, because you can see how how much uh, Hazel like grows into being this unafraid child, not and not because you know she's surrounded by people who protect her, but because. She has her mother who's that confident and a father who is willing to give her the space to fall, to trip, to you know, go through the things that she needs to, to understand what a complex life is or the, the complexities of, of, of life. And um, she's also super curious. Uh, mm. and, and he fosters that where she allows him to just grow allows her to grow
2: can i um can we get philosophical real quick because i feel like um marco is selfish and i'll explain his philosophy is he's a pacifist right and he thinks that you know Violence violence uh, begets violence, and it creates an echo that will be reflected within the universe in some way, likely leading right back to you. Um, and it, that's cool, but how could you stand on that when you have a daughter that needs to be protected? Um, I think Marco never fully understood the value of what he had, um, and I think if he did, he wouldn't be dead right now. Um, I think that putting his philosophy above the fact that his daughter is in peril every second of her life and that he needs to be there to protect her is selfish and foolish, and it's not heroic. I think
3: I... his character is is sort of allegorical for like, uh, like religious fundamentalism. Hmm. Um, I I think like. You know, in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, uh, I, I mean, this is the 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 the, the Christian, you know, um, um, repression, you know, uh, you masturbate and then you feel bad about it. And then you, you know, still feel you Try way. not to do it again. But then you, you know, oh well, maybe you oh, just one more time and it, you'll always come back to it and it will always come back to you and you'll get yours. And it, it sort of, it makes you lose focus of the the bigger picture of the world you're in because you're so focused on that you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm.
1: I or you I can't even... see
3: your trees for the forest. Yeah. I guess is the better, you know, the more apt metaphor.
1: Sean, I don't want to be the opposite as you. Okay, where good. I think Marco had to cons- like consciously make that change for Hazel, so she can sh- to to be an example for her that she doesn't have to be, you know, that violence isn't always the answer. I know how cheesy that sounds, but you know, I think it's more a, of a, a modern view on parenting in a way because, uh, yeah, yeah, Marco. Marco's dad was an armorer so he dealt with you know the war constantly Marco's mom was uh, is a hard ass which was probably great for Marco and probably rough for Marco like you remember the flashback with Marco and his dad um there and I think that's him consciously making sure that he is not that for his daughter Mm -hmm. which I think is what a lot of modern you know parents um, parents try to be especially because I think this is the story of very modern young parents um throughout the entirety of this um, and him relapsing and becoming violent towards the middle like the second chapter or the second book. If you're talking about the three main books um, is, is, is a relapse story and him trying to gain his footing for his daughter, really. And, and that's what makes him actually save his daughter is when he stops that, you
2: know? So I don't think that that, I don't think that that is like, counter to what i'm saying because there's a difference between um not abusing your kids or modeling violence as the way to solve your problems and letting yourself die in space where she can't see you just because you feel like you don't want to do violence um and we don't know where the story is going to go but neither does he, right? And so he can't assume that she's okay without him being there. Um, He doesn't know that, so his death could lead to her death down the road. But he still lets himself die. Well, I was so, going to say is, I don't think he lets himself die. I, I think,
1: he definitely does. I don't, I don't think so. I don't. I think that he tried. A different course of action, especially with the will who he's coming to he's came into contact with the will before this, right? So they have a standoff yeah. previously. Yeah, yeah yes. so he knows who this guy is and He's using the same tactics. He tried using previously um, It's just the will is a lot more fucked up at this point, which he doesn't know that story um, So I think he underestimated the will but I don't think he got himself killed
2: I mean that uh he 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 literally goes to kill him turns around stares outside and then gets gutted. Mm. He could have killed him and saved himself but he chose not to. So in my book that's letting yourself get killed. I read it as the will's
1: uh sword backfires on him and he thought oh well, that, that that was the blow, you know. No, it's his,
3: it's his hand.
1: Yeah, because it it's it his forms fucked up into hand his hand. Yeah. That the sword I guess breaks into his hand in a way. Yeah, yeah. No, the that I mean that's the will driving it through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, yeah. Yeah.
0: I so I don't I don't think it's selfish because I don't think it's I don't think it's selfish to have an ideology. Um I think that if like regardless of the consequences of it, I don't think it's selfish to believe in something and it, it even if it leads to, uh, in, in this case, it leads to his death, but similarly, it also leads to his daughter growing up without having to see him get violent and kill. And I think that that can traumatize as much as it, because we, we see that, you know, his own parents paint a picture in his mind and that's how he thinks of them. In the flashbacks, we see the way that they've, their actions have imprinted on him. And I think when he says violence begets violence or some way it reaches out to something, um, there's actually, there was uh, the one good point that somebody made was like, well, you could have killed them, the, the one guard, and they would have never known where you guys were. Right. And so your family would have Mm. never been chased. I think that's a good point. Um, But I I think that that doesn't require somebody to have to break their system of belief because it would benefit them in a way that they don't know.
2: Um, He's dead, though, so it can't benefit him. (laughs) Well, sure.
0: But like. at at, at the same time like you could you could also maybe make the argument that his inaction in certain moments have let other people live regardless of himself like uh, i can't pick of an example necessarily but um that's not to say that him keeping people alive hasn't also affected other people in positive ways so i don't think that that, that's i don't think that that would be selfish because that's i feel like the counterfactual to it is sure he dies but do other people live and is it other is it selfish to let other people live that feels selfless,
2: but that again, that's like you can't even evaluate that. Right. We, we can only evaluate what, what we know now. and What we know now is that he's dead because he chose not to act, but I won't. I'm not going to polarize the conversation by continuing, but I do want to make the, that point that, um, you know, he has sacrificed his life for his beliefs and now his daughter's down a parent mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot is down a partner who's going to help her keep this very, very important child, and also more importantly than the importance of her in the world, just their family is now not intact because he put his beliefs over his family. And we see now Mm. um, how that... We'll see how that impacts them going forward.
0: One of the things that we haven't touched too much upon is... We got the fucking across... But the sexuality, I think, is something that Brian does really well. Um, and I pulled out a specific quote because I think that this yeah. hit. Oh,
1: they're going to pull out a panel. I was like, yeah, wait, we're no, no, just no. going to YouTube. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: this, hit, this hit a, a, a particular uh, note with me when I saw it where um, Hazel says something to the effect that, you know, people say that she's a crime. uh, and petrichor in the in the when they're in the jail um says crime made you be very sick but that not mean you sick yes and i felt like that was a a reflection of herself where similar to upstairs and doff their their relationship and their being is very much a crime where for her from a societal perspective from a cultural perspective she is a an abomination and hazel and she doesn't want hazel to feel that way about her body and doesn't want her to feel that way about herself and um i really like the way that petrichor shows hazel how to embrace herself because after that is when hazel starts to like stretch her wings out and like she's literally been unbounded at that point and it's only through those interactions with petrichor who recognizes that this girl is going through something similar to her not the same situation but dealing with how do you fit what you feel like into your body and i thought that was really a really important lesson for hazel being a in a, a an amalgamation of both these races
2: hmm. yeah i think i think um you're someone of, I guess I'll just use my own experience, like as a person of mixed race, um, especially, you know, part black, but also, you know, part white, uh, there's definitely a lot of, you know, wrestling with identity that has to happen or that at least happened for me. I can't speak to everybody. But um, I really resonated with what Hazel's dealing with. Obviously, in Hazel's case, there are physical attributes that also play into it and stuff like that. But if you remove the fantasy elements, she's a person who's dealing with almost like an identity crisis of like, well, what does it make me that my parents are not, you know, the same or whatever? Um, and that's something that's that that's wild for a kid to have to go through. But I love the point that's made of like, well, you. I, I think it's Petrichor, but it could. I mean, there's so many characters. Um, that's made of like you're you're different, you're weird. Well, that makes you like everybody else. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think that is Petrichor. Yeah. The we haven't talked about heist. All too much. We've, we mentioned him. It's the book, uh, he's the writer that brings, um, through his work brings Alana and Marco together. And, uh, I think one of the things that in this reread that I feel like I thought was more explicit was what it was. I thought we were told a bit clearer what it was that the message he was trying to send out was. Uh, I, I thought, it um, I, I, I swore that I remembered a page that, you know, laid out these were his ideas or something. Um, and in this reread, I didn't get that. You, I, I realized that you get it through these little glimpses of how Alana and Marco talk about the war, talk about mm-hmm. Hazel. And then when they arrive on um, the lighthouse planet, I'm forgetting the name of. Um, quietus? They, yes, Quietus. Mm-hmm. They... Um, they get to engage in that sort of a dialogue and this is a cheeky question but is do you guys actually think that uh fucking is the opposite of war or uh where where do you delineate yourself away from that concept as the opposite of war
2: i think it's being cute about the the phrase make love not war that the idea of the the opposite of of war is love you know yeah which well, I, I think is reasonable. I
1: thought the delineation between like peace is not the opposite of war because peace is just the absence of war um, was a good a good bit there. Yeah. Yes. because it can't be the opposite of it if you're just the absence of it. Um, mm. And I, I didn't really think about that. Make love. Not not war thing. But like, yeah, it's 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 bodies coming together mm-hmm. instead of, yes. you know, removing bodies from the equation. Um, I remember ice being in it more. Yeah, you know, same. Like, I felt like when I was rereading, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the heist art. We're going to see him for like 20 issues. Like, I'm like, oh, no, he's gone in three. Like (laughs) um, that I did not remember happening um, that early on. But
2: Well, I I love um, that heist has such a powerful influence over the story um, because, you know, art is revolutionary and there's a lot of great thinkers over human history who have changed the course of the whole world just by expressing what they think, Um, whether it was through story or, you know, however, um, just like like Gandhi, right? Like Gandhi wasn't necessarily writing writing books about peace or pacifism or nonviolence, but he was certainly speaking it out and he managed to Um, changed the world through his ideas. And Uh, I go ahead. I was going to say, little known fact, Gandhi
1: did write smut in his spare time,
2: though. (laughs) It's out there. You can read those. Thank you for adding truth to this uh, this conversation. (laughs) But um, no, like I really, really loved heist and heist influence here. Um, That was that was awesome. I love that their entire world you changed based on the stories that this guy was writing. you know, people don't think enough about the way that the, the, the stories that we consume um, shape us as people. And I really love that this story told that or talked about that.
1: And it also kind of cheekily validates smut as being a form of art where I feel like that usually gets, uh, uh, I guess, second like it, it doesn't get the respect it really deserves as art it's just like oh it's just a piece of shit that doesn't really matter but, but it, but it wasn't even
0: it wasn't even like smut it was like it was
1: boring smut like
0: <laughs> yeah it was like cheesy romance stuff
2: yeah I but i think the point tyler's making is that we often look down on women who read romance novels i, I don't not just women read them but like that's a, yeah. a woman dominated market and we shit on it all the time um and here you know, Alana's obsession with these novels that most people, even in the universe, disregard as shit, is actually the thing that unites her and Marco together. Or not even, the thing, but you know, like one of the things.
1: Even Prince Robin, at the end, you, you see him reading Robin. this. The, the the mom was reading this the entire time. Like everyone yeah. was like, yeah. oh,
3: I kind of get it, you know. And uh, yeah, like uh, the mom was gonna start a revolution in the uh, in yeah. the prison, you know, by reading that stuff. And if that's not, if that wasn't the intention, I bet it's coming.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, we, we she didn't get written off completely. So,
0: I I I'd wondered if like, because it, it's as much as it is just like cheeky romance stuff. Um, when Prince Robot approached Heist, it seemed like there was some sort of undercurrent or, or uh, message that permeated beyond just the, that surface and that that's, those are the pieces that Marco and Alana attached to. Um, and I, I, I assumed it related back to his whole thing about uh, sex being the opposite of war, but in the context of this being again, like this larger story um, starting with Hazel, like as much as like, once you get past the, once you get past the sex, right you get to birth and it's like that i think um okay you said that like making or making bodies not splitting bodies or something
3: i Um, wish i wish i said all
0: right tyler uh apologies um the i think that that's sort of what the the idea that heist is trying to get across is as much as it's about the romance it's about you know how do you how do you stop the force of nature of war and what is not the opposite, but what is actually the steps forward from there? Mm -hmm. Because yes, you can, you can identify what it is, but unless you're able to actually put the work in, I think that parenting becomes that work. Like once you give birth, it's caring. It's the, the, the apathy of war and the, chaos and how unwieldy it is the opposite of that is the focus the care the attention the effort that is not put in from both sides because they're comfortable or because they want to be able to just exist and the planets do that right so much so that other planets have to suffer um another theory that i got from the, the larger story of being told
2: i just want to Push back on that slightly because I feel like what Alana and Marco are going through in child rearing is actually like a blown up sci-fi version of what real parents feel like. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it is actually extremely chaotic to have a child, and it's insanely—you know—you don't even sleep. You, you. Uh, at some point, while Hazel during Hazel's narration, she discusses how much parents sacrifice to be able to raise a child. Um, you sacrifice your sanity your you know your peace your all these different things and so I actually feel like parenting has a lot more in common with war the way you broke it down than not um which is why I go back to love as being the you know the um, the opposite there just because um, we've seen how, The absence of love or love that's tainted by other things that are going on can impact children and make them into cruel people or more complicated people. Um, I think the will is a perfect example of that. He had a very bad childhood, as we see through the flashbacks, and so he's a piece of shit. He's not an, only a piece of shit, right? He's, there are aspects of him that are good, but he's got this, you know, um, chip on his shoulder, for lack of a better term, uh, due to his childhood. That was... He exists, he was birthed, but he wasn't loved, right? Um, and that created a monster.
0: And I guess, uh, like, extending that, right? Like, Sophie was a sex slave, yeah. free from that. And then once she... Was loved or cared for by Gwendolyn is growing into a person, some uh, growing into something,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so I thought it curious when we got to the open circuit and it was all superhero shit. Um, <laughs> <or> it <laughs> did it take me, you out of it? No, 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 it, it didn't take me out of it. I thought it interesting <laughs> that. Um, he he takes this romance novel and like blows it up, and it's you know this life-altering, uh, uh, work, and it's this life-altering story, but the the actual like escapism of the open circuit and this serialized storytelling feels like popcorn. Um, it's a telenovela. Yeah, 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 very yeah. much so. Uh. And um, I was curious what you guys, what you guys thought of the that contrast of how the open circuit being this more mass market thing versus this romance novel becoming, uh, having such an effect on somebody.
1: I thought it was a pretty fun change of pace, really. Um, I think it, it, because that was the same arc that slowed everything down. Mm. Um. That's the same arc that you know Marco was just being the stay at home dad while Alana went on TV and did drugs. Um, but I like that because it it, it kind of was a nice swerve for the plot because it, they did the thing that they that everyone would at least suspect them to do, which would be right out in the open. Um, but also because of that, it backfires. Um yeah, I, don't know. I was uh, I enjoyed that arc in a way. I know that's the same one we were talking about earlier, but we didn't talk about the the open circuit part of it. But yeah,
0: did you guys feel it as a commentary on comics?
2: Uh, I think you can read it that way, but um, uh, I,
3: like, I don't I feel like the romance stuff was more commentary on comics.
1: I think we bring stuff. it up. Yeah, I think when you now that you explicitly state it like that, I can see that because you know those characters all get killed, but those the, the actors all get killed, but the characters keep going on afterwards. Mm. It's like this never ending story that just keeps going on and on and on, and no actual development goes through. Um, Sorry, Sean, yeah, I, Shauna, can, I can see you. that now.
2: Um, yeah, I I think that's a that's certainly a, a valid uh, perspective. I I don't I don't I'm not going to com- counter it. I guess I just um. I, I I guess I took it more base, like uh, like um, TV soap operas. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that could be that could be too.
0: Because I, the, there are just instances where they're like in an office, and they're talking about like somebody falling in love with somebody, but everyone's in costume, and it just felt like very melodrama superheroes. Um, okay, so we've talked about how functional fiona's ability to like draw you in is um and i really want to get to just her end of this we've had a lot of discussion on brian uh do you guys have any other uh there's so much in this book um and we definitely did not go chapter by chapter and we i'm sure have not touched upon every theme that we've uh, possibly can, but is there like a piece that you guys feel like we uh, you, you want to bring up? Because I want to talk about the art really quick.
2: Yes. The probably like beyond the story, the biggest thing that I love about this book is the way that it showcases uh sex because mm-hmm. comics <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not the best person to speak on this because I cut my teeth on superhero comics. And even now that I read more, you know, non Big Two stuff than ever, still a lot of my comics diet is superhero comics. Comics don't have that much sex in them. And um, at least in my experience. And this book does. And I love the fact that it showcases not just sex, but sex that's. Not necessarily pretty or pornographic. It's not showing you that so you can, you know, get your rocks off. It's showing you that because it's a part of the experience of these people. Um, It's trying to make a point. It also shows sex in ways that are not, not like linear sex. Like a lot of times, Alana is uh, men are going down on her. You know. And that's like, you might see sex, but you don't see that much anywhere outside of porn, right? Especially not for Um, Batman. (laughs) And you know, it's weird how, like this book could be about, you know, war and graphic. It could have graphic violence. It could be about the raising of a child, but I'm sure there have been a lot of people who have come to this book and turned away from it because of the graphic sex. And it's weird that that would bother people. But I love the fact that they that they showcase that so often that they're comfortable with it. It helps to make you comfortable with it. And it's like, why shouldn't we be? If we're comfortable with these dudes getting their heads chopped off and people getting bitten in half by dragons, like why can't they show real sex between people? I think that's brilliant. And I really um, appreciate them for that. And also how colorful the book is. Very colorful.
3: So what?
0: Uh, sorry, uh, quickly on that, actually, there's um, uh, in 2013, there was a piece of um, this one of the issues issue 12 was actually censored um, on comiXology Ooh,
3: because man. of the terms mm-hmm. and
0: services from from Apple and the, or at least their interpretation <laughs> of it because it depicted oral sex between um, two men in like two panels. Mm -hmm. and so to your point right it it permeated beyond just that um and and uh a day later reversed and all this stuff but there was definitely a a what was quoted to be quote anti-family sexually explicit and unsuitable for an age group
2: anti-family yeah
1: by by the company whose ceo is gay (laughs) yeah I mean, I used to work for Apple, so I can't really. I Maybe mean, I can't speak on it, but you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. I know. I, I agree with Sean on this too. I mean, Sean, check out Sunstone if you want some. Uh, oh, if you really want good. a book that's just really only sex, um, <laughs> but I, I, I did like the carnal nature of it um, because war is carnal, and so is fucking. You know, yeah. uh, and it it really hits that home. Um,
3: yeah, it takes uh, not just the sex, but like you know their shit there's blood there's <laughs> piss you know there's Sometimes saliva the There's <laughs> yeah like it's all it's all there and like you know we see a birthing scene we see two birthing scenes one full fucking on <laughs> like <laughs> you you know it's it it's a a matter of life yeah. and i think that's one thing this book does incredibly well is it it not only Uh, you know makes the characters people but it puts you in the reality of you know what their what their functions are you know these people do the same things you do you know
1: I, i learned more about sex from this book than i did in my entire catholic school upbringing so uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right, preach
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your point, Kale, I think as much as it is a part, a part of life, like to not sure like to not put a dressing on it. This is also the creation of life. Like your, your point on like, yes, you, uh, we see a birthing scene, but like the, the first issue, we also see the, the actual inception. And, um, those are all just steps in the process of, existence and so um, yeah The, I think that I think the, the depictions are just what they need to be, it's real it's just at the end of the day I think it's, it's just a necessity because how are you going to tell a story with real characters if they don't
2: yeah if you're about to close I did have like one or two more things I wanted to quickly uh, address yeah sure um, so one of them is that there is some language in the book that is all but like disallowed from, uh, you know, stories these days or just from our lexicon of language. Right. Like uh, in the book, they use the word fact uh, in the book. They use the word retard. And, you know, we have done book clubs about like Invincible, for example, and um, uh, uh, um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott we Pilgrim. Thank him. you. Yeah. Yes. Where these some amount of those words uh were used and you know i was always the one to say like you know definitely they were a product of their time and they're representing a specific time where that was more acceptable and i'm sure that both writers probably have regrets about what they put in the book um but this is a modern comic and uh certainly those are words that were not comfy um when this during the this book's publication um and so i just wanted to talk about that real quick because i actually didn't mind it and obviously you know it's easy for me to say that but i will explain what i mean uh what i mean is that i believe that brian k vaughn is using those words understanding the weight of them i think that in the other two instances there's a level of unconsciousness that makes them feel bad, whereas here it's not a book full of like white dudes talking about the young girls they're banging, mm-hmm. who are using these words. It's a it's a you know a a, per, a rainbow if you will of different characters coming at the world from different experiences, and these are real words that they use because they also are dealing with all this other crazy stuff. Um, it doesn't feel out of place, and so I was able to accepted because of that
0: well it's also i think in the context of the different like worlds um specifically with Upshur and off right like that's meant to insinuate and meant to hurt at their expense and in yeah. that context like then not that it's appropriate to use but with the context there you could you understand that being said with weight specifically for this intention
3: yeah you understand that the person using it is a piece of shit
0: (laughs) yeah
2: right and there has to be space for characters to you know do and say things we don't like
0: yeah yeah i mean yeah this entire book is full of characters like that
2: and then the last last thing that i wanted to quickly burn up was just how crazy um brian k vaughn allows the story to be as far as like Alana lot of and marco's different adventures like they're actors they're uh james bond they are in the west like the wild west at some point they are they do heists like they do so many different things it's like if whatever genre it is that you like it's touched on at some point in this book it's crazy i just love that and
0: i think it lets um from what i've uh, i feel like from what i've read it also lets uh fiona be like flexible with her designs right because she's she said in um in a couple of interviews she doesn't like write uh drawing um like inorganic or very mechanical sort of um uh, the imagery and so for her to be able to test out different styles on different people and to be able to draw in different ways mm. um it, it all i think that's like how rock solid this team is is like hey i'm thinking about doing this you know western arc right and i'm sure the conversation there was like oh for sure like i'd be down to try to draw centaurs like that right because like who thinks of a, a cross between a horse and a human and you know fiona does because that's gonna be the design and this fits perfectly with this western setting and a
3: ca- but, uh, and the ancient Greeks and
0: well nice. a sheriff owl that's cute
1: oh the sheriff of abortion town
0: hey man this is the yeah. best sheriff I've seen
2: how crazy was it by the way and, uh, and likely deliberate that it was the black dude who was like all for lynching oh, yeah. hey that's that's you I'm, 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 not, I'm not I'm not I didn't even catch that yeah hey, Sean that's, that's you, you. <laughs> It's not me, um, but I guess I would be the one to notice that. But yeah, it's yeah. something that I caught.
3: Um, all right. On that note, and that was just a dude, too. He wasn't even like a horse. That was yeah. just a dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also, was that their son? So the the mix, yes. the, 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 the amalgam of a normal person and a centaur is a centaur with the horse head still on a separate part of the body. Like that guy had two heads. Never mind. Yeah. I, I don't know no, it right. was the centaur parts of things. It was like a it's like a grim reaper skeleton, like horse skeleton or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Fiona Staples does some wild ass shit with her character designs, and I love it. Love like, even, like, it. Can't wait. Same issue. The the werewolf with all the the mm. the like the litter boobs mm-hmm. out. Like. Oh yeah. Just Litter like, oh, that's, that's a <laughs> that's a splash page. And
0: and, and boy, does she take advantage of those splash pages. Yo, oh, actually, um, one of the things that I, I was going to bring up, she rarely, rarely, rarely uses um, double page spreads. Yeah, uh, I counted. There are six in total.
3: Oh, boy, are they used effectively?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, the the big screen um, uh, king robot. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big old baby um, the big baby uh, there's a, a battle sequence and I'm forgetting some of the other ones but literally six in the entire 54 issues
1: hmm
3: that's like one a I, book
1: if you're going by trade no there's seven trades even less okay Like
3: nope. nine trades
1: oh okay amazing
3: uh, I'm I'm curious
0: what you guys talk about her style I, I actually posted a question on reddit um asking like how people are excited because i'm a dork right and um everybody had wonderful things to say and this one person was like yeah fiona her art and eh, give take it or leave it edge forward me
1: i mean that, yeah, that just... person got flamed in there. down votes down votes did they
2: really uh i don't know I, oh. they should it, like... <laughs> that I, I as much Surely. as this book is not what it is without Brian K. Vaughn, it's not what it is without Fiona Staples. Yeah. Brian K. Vaughan, I point a lot, but like you don't even need to hear why he says that to know that. You just have to like be an active, engaged, you know, reader of the book to know that. It's very yeah. clear. That's silly.
3: Her,
0: her style is really simplistic, like thin lines, flat colors, and if you're going to do a shadow. It's just a darker version of that color um, and used minimally um, with I think uh, Tyler mentioned really open backgrounds, and because of how easy it is to seemingly draw that, I, I also imagine that it's let me not say it's easy, but like because of how well, there's only a few structures there, it feels like you know she can output really quickly, which I think benefits. the 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 monthly format
2: yeah yeah i i completely agree and it's you know you say simple um and i know what you mean when you say that but i want i want to make sure that people know that like it's simple but it's gorgeous you know Mm. um it's it's beautiful in its simplicity and you know this is this is one of the best looking books on the stands at any given time
0: Mm-hmm. yep consistent Eisner win I feel like
2: yeah we could do we could do a whole book club just about the art and like what's in it um how from a design standpoint this book is revolutionary the colors that the main characters are uh, wearing often like I don't know there's just so much to it from a visual standpoint
0: and I think the efficacy of it is, Comes from how she's able to translate the scripts. Um, The one thing I did want to bring up that she's mentioned is uh, the organic angle of things. Um, All the ships are trees, a jellyfish, like a crab. There's this, not this hesitancy to not use technology. Even even, uh, Prince Robot, right? He is she. He looks fluid. He's not this hard, just TV box set. And I think that that makes that makes her that much more unique of an artist because of how she's able to capture the seemingly inorganic things and find ways to make them organic. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, last question, this is coming from the discord. Uh, We've touched upon a few, but this is uh, a quick fun one. This is from Kefis and he asks specifically, given the trend of mining any profitable popular IP, why do you think we've never uh, even heard of adaption possibilities here, given that other, quote, impossible to adapt works like Dune Foundation and Watchmen have? Um, and let's ignore the fact that BKV and Fiona are probably blocking it.
2: I don't think you can't ignore that fact. I think that fact is the reason. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I don't yeah. think that anyone would want to leave this on the table. They pick they look at they pick up any. I, I don't want to say like I don't want to <laughs> be discreditive of anyone, but like they pick up a lot of concepts that have sold less books than Saga, been less influential than Saga. And these books are getting movie deals. So mm-hmm. Saga would absolutely be at the top of any studios list. 100 percent. Yeah.
3: yeah i feel like too the way it jumps around um in time and uh setting i think would be a tough um a tough thing to translate in uh the you know the 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 amount of time you have to spend on one place before you jump to the next one and then the way uh you know there's always a cliffhanger um i i think i think it would be tough to um translate the way things happen in any other medium
0: yeah 100 percent. he's he said it himself he wanted to create a comic that was hard to be anything else but a comic and i think he's successful at that uh, if they ever get the opportunity to man would i love to see this as a series let's hope it gets better than why i did because that was disappointing um all right y'all with that thank you for taking this journey with me i really appreciate that uh we did all 54 issues getting ready for (laughs) this was this was honestly this was a a uh listeners this was a veiled attempt at me trying to catch up and not wanting to feel alone in doing so so (laughs) thank you all for um Taking the bait here and making the excuse of getting a book club going, uh, as it, mentioned at the top.
1: Go ahead. I was gonna. It's funny. Before I even joined the show, I was like, I gotta re- reread Saga before the the new issue comes out. So.
3: There you go. You're welcome. I don't know what I would have done. Mission I'm accomplished. Glad we did this. Yep. I, I can tell you, I wouldn't have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and with that uh thank you everybody for tuning in as mentioned at the top you know follow us on youtube like comment share subscribe uh at the comics pals on all social media platforms including tiktok join our discord where if you want to figure out what the next book club is it's at the top at uh, at our events the next one being doom patrol which uh, we'll have more details as that comes out uh stay tuned for our weekly review show where we're going to be talking about saga issue 55 the final long-awaited return uh, definitely excited now, more so than ever after this conversation uh, for that issue to drop and I cannot wait for Wednesday and uh, come to us into the main show. Again, we do it live on uh, Saturdays 10 a.m. Eastern Time uh, and it drops every single Monday so you can tune into our most recent episode where we talked about, who was it? Who's Josh, right? Whedon. Josh Whedon.
3: Josh Whedon. for that, the last Josh, time, hopefully. Uh,
0: well, we'll see. Uh, and with that, Until the next book club, y'all, take care.
3: Goodbye, guys. See you next month.